When is the last time you took a break? Or are you pretty much always working in your downtime? Ready to talk shop? It's time for some coffee chatter. If there's one thing I know about, it's about this idea or this feeling that any and all downtime should be devoted to moving the business forward or doing the client work or catching up on emails or on and on and on. The list of stuff that we have to do to keep our businesses moving never ends. There's always email to be responded to. There's always outreach to do. There's always some kind of follow-up. There's always changes to make to your website. There's, I mean, there's just, there's never nothing to do. And it can be really easy to slip into this mindset of um, wanting to devote every spare moment to moving the business forward. I think this is especially the case when the business is your primary or your sole income for you or for your family, because the pressure is there, you know, the pressure is on, um, you got to make the money to keep the lights on. Um, that is a position I've been in for a large part of my career in the beginning. Um, for sure I can, uh, and now that I am the, the breadwinner, for my family, um, which includes four children. <laughs> it's a lot of mouths to feed. Um, I feel the pressure constantly. There's never a moment when I'm not thinking I should be working. I should say there's never a moment of downtime when I'm not thinking I should be working. I should be doing that thing. I should be following up. I'm really behind on X, Y, and Z. I really, um, wanted to make more progress on this outline. The big thing hanging over my head right now is the sales page that I really want to be writing. And then every time I sit down to write it, it's like, I can't get anything out of myself. <laughs> I don't know what I have. I don't know why I have this block against this sales page. Um, but actually, I do know why I have this block with this sales page. And that's what we are talking about today. Today, I wanted to talk with you about the importance of downtime and letting yourself take a break, letting yourself off the hook for working in every spare moment, even if the pressure is on and you're the only one who can do it and maybe you feel really behind. There's something to be said about pushing through when it's crunch time. And there's also something to be said about making sure that crunch time is not all day, every day for an extended amount of time. For me, if crunch time lasts more than like a week, I'm completely exhausted. I'm completely wiped. I have to take a break or I'm going to run myself into the ground and then I'm really going to struggle, right? So the, the point is to avoid burnout. Um, it took me a really long time to accept the fact that I can't always be working and that I have to step away. Now, I know, you know, I know that we all know that like, yes, we have to sleep. Yes, we have to eat. Yes, we want to hug our families. Um, but anytime I had any kind of significant 
unscheduled time, whether it was, you know, maybe the kids go down really easily at bedtime. And so then it's like, I have the whole evening in front of me. I could hang out and watch a TV show and kind of putter around and work on a project. Or I could go catch up on whatever. You know, that choice is always there. When I'm waiting in line, um, when I'm, I don't know, maybe you know what it's like. Maybe you know what I'm talking about, though. Getting out of that mindset that every spare moment needs to be devoted to working, for some of us, can be really tough. For me, I'm not a workaholic. Um, I just, I tend to get really panicky about money <laughs> really easily. And so it's a, it's like a drive for security for me. I want to make sure that we have enough, that I'm doing enough to bring in enough. And the other problem is that it never really feels like enough. So the drive to bring in more, to make more, to do more outreach, to come up with a new campaign, to launch a new thing, to get the cash injection, as people call it. I always thought that was weird. But anyway, the drive to produce somehow, it never stops because the need never stops. But I can tell you that it does not work to get into this mode over the long term. Now, it's important to be dedicated. It's a it's important to commit yourself to your work, to show up um to to show up for the commitments that you've made. You know, if you've decided you're going to put in 10 hours a week, you need to put in those 10 hours a week. I'm not saying I want you to check out and zone out and just sort of collapse and not do anything. What I am saying is you need to show up when you have decided when you're in logical planning mode to show up, show up at the allotted times, do the work, put in some extra time if you need to, to catch up, you know, maybe things take longer or whatever. And then make sure you give yourself space to recover from the output. Because writing is creative work. It is output. Maybe it's boring. Maybe it's not what you would be writing if left to your own devices. Um, but it is, it is creation. And creation depletes us. It takes, it consumes our, you know, mental, emotional, sometimes even physical resources. And those resources have to be replenished before we can do more creative output. So once you have, maybe I have convinced you <laughs> and you have let go of the idea that you should be working every spare moment of the day, um, which I still slip in and out of. I'm actually kind of in one of those modes right now where I feel like I have to be working all the time, that my kids aren't demanding my attention or my family doesn't need me. Um... Sorry, I'm really distracted because there's a lizard <laughs> crawling on the door window right in front of my face. And uh, it kind of freaked me out when it jumped on. But we're okay now. <sighs> Nature. Anyway, I don't remember what I was saying. So 
what we're talking about is the importance of downtime. Yeah, I totally don't remember what I was just saying. I'm going to keep going. Give yourself space to decompress, to recharge, to do other things that don't have to do with working or business or writing. Step away from the writing. <laughs> if you can. Um, I would say strike a balance. Um, but the truth is that your needs and your business's needs um, and the needs in your, you know, your surroundings or your environment, they are always shifting. So it's really hard to keep your balance when everything is moving. If you've ever tried to stand on one leg on a, you know, on a boat, you know what I mean? Um, so instead of finding a balance, I want you to bring an awareness to what you're doing, how you plan your days, how you spend your time, and what thoughts are you are allowing in your head when you're not working that have to do with work. Um, if you feel guilty for not working, listen to that and see where is that coming from? And how can you set things up in such a way that it is okay when you are not working? Unless it's not okay that you're not working and you're like totally flaking on a deadline. No, that's not okay. But taking a break, building in downtime is not only okay, it's necessary. So some of the things I try to keep in mind include setting aside a specific time of day where in which no work is allowed. Unless it's work that I feel like doing. Unless it's work that I want to do. Um, maybe it's uh, like brainstorming something. Or maybe it's building a new page for a funnel, you know, maybe it's planning some social media content. I don't know. But if it's something that I enjoy and I look forward to and I want to be doing it, I'm okay with allowing work during that time because it's not deadline driven. It's not something um, I have to do. And it feels more like um, it's restorative than what the opposite of restorative be depleting. If it's the kind of thing that doesn't deplete me, but usually, um, usually I don't pull out the computer. And it's this is so what I'm talking about is during the evening. So my kids like me to sit with them until they fall asleep. And that usually happens around 930. I'm hoping when we return to school, which is tomorrow on the day I'm recording this. I'm hoping that the return to school will get them on... Um, really what I think is a healthier sleep cycle. Bedtime got pushed back a lot over the summer and they just don't seem to hold up as well when they go to bed late and get up late. So anyway, so from like 930 until whenever I conk out, I try not to work. Um, that's when I work on chores. It's when I spend time talking um, with family or friends or my husband or tying up some loose ends in like the home administrative realm. Um, maybe I'll catch up on dishes. Maybe I'll make some cookies to decorate. Um, maybe I'll work on the quilt that I'm making, catch up on Bachelor in Paradise, which is like <laughs> probably something I shouldn't admit out loud. Um, catch up on podcasts. 
or like stare at the ceiling and listen to an audiobook or stare in the ceiling, stare at the ceiling in complete silence. You know, I try not to schedule anything for the evening and just spend that time doing things I enjoy with the people I love or by myself. <laughs> um, I do a lot of my self-care during those hours when I am good about keeping up with self-care. Um, self-care is something I've had to really learn about a lot over the past year and a half with the pandemic and the addition of kiddo number four, Mr. Colin, um, and the demands of having four kids as opposed to three kids. Um, there's been some other just life stressors that it's all combined to really take it out of me. And so self-care is something I neglected for a long time. And then I really began to suffer, just like, just suffer. And now I'm digging myself out of that hole and letting go of this idea that I need to be suffering, um, which oddly enough is something that I believe on some level. I believe on some level that I need to be suffering or else I'm doing it wrong, <laughs> which let me tell you is not the most fun way of going about life. Um, Anyway, so one of the ways I'm working to counteract not only the effects of my circumstances, but the effects of the voices in my head um, is to practice self-care. And I highly, highly recommend this to you. I commend to you self-care. And I think we've talked about self-care on the podcast before, um, but I will just share that the way I view self-care is by doing the things that will make tomorrow easier. Self-care is taking care of future Ashley. So maybe that means I go to bed at nine o'clock. And maybe it means I do dishes for 45 minutes. Um, during the school year, part of my self-care routine is packing a snack, packing my kids, my preschoolers snacks the night before, because it turns out I really hate making snack in the morning. It just is something that feels like it adds a lot of pressure to the morning routine and it's crazy enough as it is. So the night before I make their snacks. Um, right. It's not glamorous. It's not bubble baths and pedicures. It's what can I do to actually take care of future Ashley? This is a concept I sort of picked up from Jen Hatmaker. I thought it was a really beautiful way of, of positioning self-care. So take care of yourself. Another part of my self-care is taking the time to do things that I actually enjoy, to do the things that make me feel like me. Um, and to really think about what that meant, I had to go back to a time in my life before I had kids or when I just had one kid. Um, I thought when I had a kid and I was a single mom, I thought life was really busy and I didn't I didn't realize how easy <laughs> one child can be um, until I had multiple children. And then when you go from having three kids or four kids and then three of them go somewhere with somebody else and you just have the one, it's like, oh my gosh, I have so much time. Um, anyway, so that was a funny realization. Anyway, so I had to go back to those days and think, what did I do back then that made me feel like me? What is something I do for myself that I enjoy just because I enjoy it. And so to me, that sounds like a hobby. So what are the hobbies I used to really enjoy? And it was 
for me, typically it comes down to making things with my hands. Um, being a fiber artist, so to speak. So knitting, quilting, embroidery, crochet, stuff like that. So for me, knitting, I used to really like knitting lace, which is complex and um, take some bandwidth. And you, for me, at least, I like to have at least like an hour, maybe 45 minutes to an hour that I can really sit down and get really embedded in this project that I'm working on. Um, because lace can be complicated. I don't have the bandwidth for something like that in my life right now. Um, at least not to be able to do it on a regular basis. And it would be depressing to me to see, you know, this little tiny lace project that I know will someday be an enormous shawl, but at this rate, it will take me three years to get there. That's not the kind of knitting I want to do right now. So what I do is knit dishcloths. They're small, they're portable, they're brainless. I don't have to check a chart. I don't even necessarily have to count rows if I don't want to. I can just sort of do it. And I can do it like one or two stitches at a time. And it's easy and the project is small. And even if I never have time to work on it, I can still finish one in like a week. If I sit down and put my mind to it, I could probably finish one in, I don't know, I don't know, maybe an hour, hour and a half. So it doesn't take a whole lot of input to do, to do this thing that really makes me feel like me, not Ashley, the business owner, not Ashley, the marketer, not Ashley, the writer, not Ashley, the mom or Ashley, the wife, or I don't know, Ashley, the, there isn't really a whole lot else that I do. <laughs> outside of work and family. Um, but when I'm knitting, I feel like me. That is something, oop, that is something that the real me does. There's something about it that really touches the core of me. Um, it is a, this is going to sound hokey, but it's, it's a, it's a, it's a connection to the person I've always been. A string, if you will. <laughs> Knitting. Um, find that thing for you. Find the things for you that feel restorative, that allow you to detach from what is pressing you, even if it can only be done briefly. Um, I used to do some quilting with a machine, um, but I found that right now I don't, I don't have the space for a quilting setup. I have very small kids who would get into everything and like sew their fingers together if there was a machine unattended. But if I have to pack up and haul out the machine every time I want to quilt, I'm just never going to quilt. So I decided to learn how to hand quilt. And I have my little quilt basket and my needle and my thread. Um, I have a couple of old quilt tops that I never finished. So that's what I'm working on right now. Um, but eventually I may start cutting you know, cutting squares and sewing them by hand and piecing these quilts together by hand because my life is not conducive to a machine. Um, and that's another project that I can do. I can pick it up and just work on it for a couple of minutes here and there even. And it'll take a while for it to finish, but it'll get finished. Find those things in your life. Maybe they, maybe it's, I don't know, working out. Maybe it's cooking. 
Maybe it's writing fiction. Maybe it's um, going to some kind of meetup of some sort. You can find a lot of meetups on Zoom now. They make it a lot easier to get in and out because you don't have the travel time. And you might not necessarily, you know, if otherwise you'd have to arrange childcare, you might not have to arrange childcare. Um, find the things. Read books. The, read the kinds of books that you used to read, but you don't really have time for it. Make time for them. Try out audiobooks. I didn't think I would like audiobooks. Um, I like them for nonfiction. I didn't think I would like listening to um, to novels on audiobooks, but I've, I've tried a couple and I think it works for me. Maybe not every single novel, but, um, I've been able to find a few novels that I really enjoy listening to. One of the reasons I like to read novels, you know, is to, to pick up the prose and to kind of relish in this author's style of writing, that kind of novel, I don't know if I would like it, um, but the kind of novel where it's really good storytelling or it's like really entertaining, that kind of novel for me works really well on audiobooks. So I'm actually taking in novels. Other, other than the couple of ones that I've listened to over the past couple of months, I don't remember the last time I read nonfiction. I cannot remember. It has been probably years and probably like many years, like four or five years since I picked up a book that wasn't business or personal development or parenting. But it turns out reading for pleasure and, and having taking in really nice stories is one of the things that makes me me. So... Um, I have my library's app and I get the audiobooks on it and it, and it works. Another thing that has become really important to me now that wasn't so important before, um, is quiet. And I think it's just, there are so many people in my life and so many things in my life clamoring for my attention and pulling on my awareness that I need silence. I need to spend time every single day lying on my back in a dark room, staring at the ceiling. <laughs> I don't know what that says about me. Um, but when I'm able to do this, it really helps. It really helps me feel more calm um, and more capable of handling my life. Maybe for you, instead of staring at the ceiling, that looks like taking a walk in nature. Maybe it looks like meditation. Maybe it looks like, I don't know, doing something that you can just sort of get lost in and not think about. You know, what comes to mind for me is like kneading dough. Um, I'm learning how to decorate cookies and there are some cookie people who talk about like there's one stage in the cookie process where like everything is baked and you are like covering the cookie with a layer of kind of liquidy icing. It's called royal icing. It's really yummy. Um, and for a lot of cookie makers, they sort of get in the zone 
of of flooding their cookies and that can be restorative too although for me it's also physically demanding but um it, it is not very zen for me but i know for some people it's very zen The thing is, and this is a lesson I'm learning over and over again, new facets, new depths, new layers. Not saving time for restorative things in your life will lead you to burnout. And it's incredibly difficult to do the creative work of writing when you are burned out. It's incredibly difficult to do anything when you're burned out, Um, but especially writing. Because writing is that creative endeavor, and it takes some energy, and it takes some inspiration, and it takes an outpouring of yourself, it's really difficult to do when you're burned out. And recovering from burnout can be really difficult, especially if you have a lot of um, stuff in and out of your business. You know, you've got a lot of clients, you have to turn stuff around. Um, It can be hard to take a break you know, like a burnout recovery break, which depending on how bad it is, you know, may take months. I have a friend who she's not a writer, but she decided months ago, she's burned out and she's still kind of burned out. And it's been maybe two or three months for her. And she still doesn't really feel ready, you know, to come back in full force. Don't let that be you. Do, do at least one thing, even if it's little, one little thing to take care of yourself every single day and to reconnect with the real you every single day. It will help you in your business. It will help you outside of your business. Little things that you enjoy that feel restorative, that feel like they are building you up or giving you a sense of ease or grounding I can't emphasize it enough. It's it's just, it's so important. It's critical for being able to keep at this freelance writing thing um, that you restore and restore and restore and restore and regenerate um, and put in when so much of your working time is spent on output. Okay, I think if I say anything more, I'm going to start repeating myself again and again which we don't want. So I'm going to wrap it up here. If you are feeling like you're kind of burned out, or you want to talk to someone about this, um, something, maybe you want to talk about something that you heard in this episode or any episode of the podcast, really, then I invite you to join the Facebook group. It's called the Inkwell Guild with Ashley Gaynor, and you can search for us on the platform itself, or you can go to theinkwellguild.com. Um, And that will take you straight there. Answer the questions. We'll let you in and you can hang out with us. I am, after some time that I had to take away because of the burnout and whatever, um, I'm way more active in the group than I have been in previous weeks, you know, maybe even previous months. So I look forward to seeing you in there. A funny thing happened the other day. I realized that many of my podcast listeners don't know about Clips Camp, so now I'm going to tell you about it. Clips Camp is a three-week course for new and 
advanced new <laughs> freelance writers who want to get started with high paid client work. If you are on Upwork and miserable, if you're on Fiverr and miserable, or if you haven't even done anything to get started and you don't know what the first step is, Clips Camp is for you. I'm teaching you how to put together a solid portfolio of writing samples that position you as the kind of awesome writer that awesome clients want to hire. So if you want in on that or you just want more information, go to clipscamp.com and I will see you on the inside.